Welcome back to the Inspire Kingdom Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Mack. Here, Inspire Kingdom, our goal is to launch a ministry that inspires people to tap into their God-given potential, pursue freedom through entrepreneurship, and share ideas that positively impact our community. In this podcast, you'll find conversations that highlights our experiences as millennial dreamers, where we share stories about our success, times where we had to get down on our knees and pray about what we needed to do to get through, and then other conversations that highlights our culture and our community. In this episode, you're going to hear Tony's testimony. So, let go. Now, me, here's a little story about the path I went down. Okay, so in and out of jail, in and out of prison, back and forth, poor choices. This last time I went to jail and didn't come home for over five years. And the first week in that cell, my mom and my sister came and they, uh, I had to see them through the glass, and they were just so disappointed. I could see the tears running in their eyes, and I just went back to the to the cell after the visit, and I jotted this 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 poem, and it took me like fifteen minutes, man. And it uh, it's basically my testimony of what you know transpired in the situation that got me locked up in the first place, and I wanted to share this with you guys. It's called Tony's testimony. Okay. I got a lot on my mind. I ain't been sleeping well. And if you ask me where I'd been, I'd say deep in hell. Got people waiting on my word like they're needing mail. So I hope you feel every word like you're reading Braille. When I was younger, I wondered how I was stillborn. So I had a twin brother, but he was a stillborn. I'm in my 30s now, and every day I still mourn. Maybe now you can see a glimpse of why I'm still torn. And my apologies lately for being absent. These streets were calling me. I told you these things could happen. I didn't think I'd go back to my old fashion. Guess I should really watch what I say like a closed caption. What happened was unfortunate. I was too insubordinate to pay attention to ordinance. Guess I wasn't affording it. I won't justify my actions because we all know that it's useless. I'll glorify my story and making no excuses. I had a pocket full of money. I think I had around a G. When I finally left the bar, I think I spent around three. That landed me in court and I had to take a plea. They gave me time to think how much them drinks was costing me. I'm like a shattered hourglass with all the time that I have wasted. I wish I could have it back, but I know I cannot replace it. Hate the smell of victory because I could never taste it. Seen demons in the mirror every time I tried to face it. I guess I got some things I need to get up off my chest. But I was too impatient for some things to manifest. I know I tried before, but wasn't giving it my best. It's like I'm worn with myself within my spirit and my flesh. That's why I love to drown my sorrows. I guess I'm somewhat aquatical. Tony's testimony. It's return of the prodigal. Why would you listen to me? How is that even logical? Probably because I keep bouncing back showing you that it's possible. Because everybody struggles with something they can't control. And everybody's got a story of something they never told. I used to bottle things up. Used to keep it to myself. But that's how you can break a spirit. Now I'm trying to share the wealth. And if I'm speaking to a ton and I'm reaching only one, I wouldn't feel any different about the job that I had done. Because if you're afraid to fail, you're afraid to try. If you're afraid to live, you're afraid to die. You live your life in shame. You live your life in vain. And what's the gain against the grain in the midst of pain? If God can take the pain from me, he'll do the same for you. And if that don't give you the chills, this ain't for you. That's something I actually wrote back in 2013. 
And like I said, I didn't come home for five years. When I got to prison, I shared this in front of a church and uh, actually broke down in tears to the point to where I couldn't even really see. And I'm walking back to my uh, chair to sit down. And I had a standing ovation when I, when I looked around. And after church, you know, a few guys came up to me and uh, tell me how much it, it meant to them. And that line where I said, if I'm reaching only one, you know, it's basically saying that I, I did I did my part. And one of the guys came and repeated that line to me. He's like, man, you reached me, man. He's like, if you didn't reach anybody else, you reached me. And really, that's what it's all about. That's all I really wanted to do. If I'm reaching one, job well done. I appreciate you, man. Uh, Anthony Blackman, check me out at Make It Rain podcast, makeitrain.net. Anthony Blackman at YouTube, Jim of the Day. That's me. Also the cousin of the host, Inspired Kingdom, y'all. You know, keep keep checking him out because he's doing his thing. And me personally, the reason why I started my podcast, brother, is because I felt like God had a calling, right? And faith without works is dead. So me just sitting around not doing anything when I know God has a calling in my life, I felt like that was, you know, defeating the purpose. So in the meantime, in between time, I felt like I needed to put something together to to get me on track to where God was going to place me. Right. So this mm-hmm. is the reason why I started my podcast initially is to just to, you know, keep the wheels in motion because I know God's going to open doors, but I have to start somewhere. Right. So that was the thing that, that got me motivated to to start diving in on the podcast. And it's, I think I started in January. Now I'm pushing almost 150 episodes. So I'm, <laughs> I'm keeping them rolling, man. Yeah. And, uh, there's a lot going on this year, like you said, and a lot to talk about a lot of issues all over the, all over the world, man. It's, it's been a crazy year, tough for, for everybody, whether you're you know upper middle class, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of, a lot of things going on right now. And, I mean, this is the moment where you need, like, to understand that Jesus is the most important thing, like, above all else, right? And what he came to preach was love. And, you know, that is the message that we should be spreading each and every day. And a lot of people don't understand that. And it's just, like I say, it's a it's a tough time right now, man. No, that's true. That's true. Um what we definitely need now is love because love covers all things. And um, if you survive this long through 2020 and still have a hard time believing in something, then you might be in worse shape than a lot of other people out here right now. Exactly. Um, and so, so in that, I'm glad that you, that you highlighted faith first because some of the things I want to talk about are pertaining to faith. And so uh, I would like to know, how would you uh, describe your relationship with God? It's funny because my dad is kind of like my spiritual advisor, my, my natural father, right? So anytime I, I need any kind of guidance, I'll go to him. And one thing he told me is like, is you've never been mad at God. You don't have a good relationship with him. <laughs> there's there's some times where, you know, things aren't going the way you, you feel they should be going when you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. And you're wondering, well, what is the holdup? Like, God, what are you doing up there? You know, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm praying. I'm, you know, fasting. I'm. I'm doing everything you asked me to do. And for whatever reason, these doors aren't opening. You know, if you've never been in that predicament, in that position, you really don't have a relationship with God, in my opinion, because there's certain times where you feel like, you know, 
you're on the right track and God is nowhere near. And that, and, and that is the moment you really hit that light bulb and realize, all right, I'm in this position for a reason. What is it? And it's just like my relationship right now was basically growing off of that. Cause back in the day, I didn't really understand the, the difference between, you know, a fan or a follower, you know, like I knew who Jesus was just like I knew who Jay-Z was. Right. <laughs> I knew, yeah. I knew his songs. I, I could tell you, you know, a little bit about the album, just like I tell you a little bit about the Bible. Right. I knew a little bit about a little bit, but you have a relationship. You're, you're, you are in friendship, you're in fellowship. And that's where I'm at right now. Right now, each and every day I wake up, I pray, I give thanks and I try to try to live by the word of God, which is the relationship in my eyes is walking out just as he walked. Right. Not just talking about it, but just trying to do as he did. And that was my opinion of, of a real relationship is, is following him. Like he said, right? like that relationship with with the word of God is actually acting on it. So to me, that's that's the prime thing. No, man, to that point, I agree. Um, relationship with God is everything, you know, and one of the things I, I learned is is how I need to really change my perspective on my relationship with God, right? Because a relationship is give and take, right? Like if you're in a relationship with someone, then that means that you spend time with them, you know them, kind of like, you know, we're doing and we're, we're not perfect, right? Um, it, it takes time. It takes practice of like being able to be disciplined enough to say, you know, um, and even have a desire to be to want to get to know God on a different level, because um, wanting to know God and then knowing God and then being um, being 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 one of the people that truly believe in the things that he says, it comes with with a price. Right. Like you have to be willing in that moment. Uh, in these in these moments to trust him and to truly walk by faith and not by sight right which uh leads me to 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 a question that i will ask my parents all the time and it was a question that made me scratch my head because you know you being that we are african americans in this country you know a lot of the uh things that we have that our ancestors uh hold value in regards to culture language um and, and, and just rites of passage for both men and women were, were, were stolen and taken away from us abruptly, right? Um, and in that sense, I had to ask myself the question, you know, being that as African-Americans, especially growing up in the South, we're very well versed with um, God, right? And so without getting too deep into it and to clarify, to make this point, I want to start here, which the question was, why am I a Christian, right? Or more so, why am I a believer? in the fact that Jesus died for my sins and that Jesus' name means salvation, right? Um, and the question was, am I a Christian because it is politically correct or, or is popular for me to be a Christian, right? Because I see the response that I receive when I say I don't believe in God, right? Or am I a Christian because my parents are Christian, right? Like, if I would have grew up down the street, would I have still been a believer or a Christian, right? I even identify myself as that. Or if I grew up in China or in 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 a different country, you know, spoke a different language, would I still believe in Jesus, right? I'd be a Christian, be a believer. 
or you know had my had my had my grandparents you know pursued a different type of faith right would that then in turn make me have a different opinion on or different perspective of being a christian so um for me i found i found the moment where i identified that this was for me in 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 brokenness in in the areas where you know I needed healing and I, and it, it and it wasn't going to come from anything else outside of God, right? Uh and I had to make that decision for myself that and accept the fact that there is um this a man here named Jesus that represents, you know, all of my sins and that was brutally tormented um to the point of death that never complained about that whole trial, that whole process of him literally being torn to pieces, and then being res, being, then 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 being placed on a cross, and exposed to nature, exposed to 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 hatred, exposed to 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 the injustice that came and um, literally took took his life because of what I've done. Right, which still sounds crazy if you even think about it in that capacity. But like the fact that he took that as my God, right, as my as as my God to the grave, so that way I can now experience life with the same power, the same authority, the same the same mentality that he lived life in both cases, both before death and after death that I can continue to reign with him and be um, empowered with his spirit, right? So so in that, I, I had to make that decision and my life became more free because of that fact, because now I can say Jesus is my salvation and I'm giving everything to him. And in that moment, he, he, he took away my sins, right? So now I, I I can live a free life and I have an obligation to do something with this free life, not to um, take advantage of it, but to 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 live a life of gratefulness first of all, first of all, and then also to 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 live a life of of obligation due to the fact that I am no longer bound by the things that I have done or the things I will do uh, in the in the future. Um, to identify myself as that individual, but to identify myself as as a man or as a woman, for the ladies out there, not myself, right? But for to identify myself as as a human being, um, in all my imperfections, knowing that my imperfections have been covered, and that I am now perfect in God in the sight of God. So, man, um. So I would like to learn, bro, you know, more about about your journey in this. So let's keep going. I would love to know kind of kind of um, your backstory, because a lot of people, I mean, obviously we're, we're having a conversation one on one, but people will be able to listen into it. Um, I, w- I would love to know your testimony and, and what kind of brought you to Christ um, and 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 kind of dive into some of those areas of of, of brokenness and, and healing and, and overcoming and and achievement 
to where you are today. So, um, so yeah. All right, most definitely. First off, I don't know if you've ever been to a. I'm sure you have. You you go to a restaurant when you were a kid and you have the little kids menu. I think I shared you shared this with you before, but the kids menu on the back always had that maze, right? They give you the little crown. You, you kind of go from start to finish and try to get out of that maze, right? So for me, it's almost like God had to take me out of that maze and give me like a, a different vantage point. Because when I used to do that when I was a kid, before I'd put that crown down, before I'd hit the start, I would map it out with my finger. That way I don't have all these, you know, different lines I have to scratch out or go back over. I'd map it out with my finger and then I would go ahead and start. So I was always had that different vantage point. So for me personally, God had to take me out of a situation and show me where I was going wrong. Because growing up, just like you said, we grew up in the church. Our grandparents, our parents, they they an old pastor used to say we had a drug problem. <laughs> they, they used to, they used to yeah, drug me to church. They drug me Wednesday. They drug me Thursday. They drug me Friday. They drug me, you know, they just to drug us to church. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah. like I said, when I was a kid, man, I was in the choir, couldn't hold a tune. I went up in that <laughs> thing. My parents wanted me in their Easter speeches, you know, everything that had anything to do with the church, we were there, right? And looking back, as I'm older now, I can see where God's hand of protection and, and where he was kind of guiding me and, and molding me and shaping me because there's a lot of things that that happened, you know, within my childhood. For instance, uh, a lot of people don't ever know this story, man. I don't think I've ever actually told this, but there's a verse in Ezekiel when it's talking about the appearance of God. It's talking about fire and ember, you know, from head to toe, basically. So I remember I was, I don't know, about five, six years old. And I mean, I'm about to be 38 now, so it was quite a, <laughs> quite a while ago, right? I'm sitting on the couch in my house, and um, I'm in the living room by myself. I look over towards the kitchen area, and I see this, you know, and this is way before I knew anything about the Bible or even, you know, I, I noticed this years later when I was studying uh, that verse about the appearance of of what he would have looked like, right? It says from the top of his head, the soles of his feet, fire and ember, like it looked like fire. So I look over and that's what I see. And I, you know, instead of being like kind of spooked or terrified, I kind of sat there with some kind of, you know, crazy peace that I had. And I just looked back to the TV and that was that, you know, I didn't think nothing of it, never mentioned it to anybody, never say anything. And, you know, never thought nothing about, I mean, I thought it was awkward, obviously. And I, you know, I thought I might've been tripping when I was when I was younger, but at the same time, I kind of just, you know, I wasn't spooked, which was, which is crazy to me, right? Mm -hmm. So, looking back, I'm thinking like, huh. So, that was kind of like, God let me know, all right, man, you about to go for a ride, <laughs> but I got you, you know. <laughs> now I look back, I can see that God was letting me know, hey, I go before you. Like, I, I see you, hey, I'm going before you to set your crooked path straight. Another instance, when I was younger, I uh, told this story on my podcast, uh, one of my sister's boyfriends, she uh, she and him were at a park one day, or I think it was on a bus, actually, and they got into it with some other guys, and these guys were affiliated in some gang. So they came to the house looking for her boyfriend at our house, right? And I just so happened to be sitting on the couch that day watching TV. You know, I, I guess I had a 
little bit of a couch potato issue when I was younger because all my stories. <laughs> anyway, so I'm sitting on the couch and uh, I'm watching TV. My parents are in the other room, and I was in uh, junior high at the time because I remember I was in the band. I had my instrument in the room, and I was thinking, sitting there watching TV, and something told me to, to get up and go in the room. And I'm like, huh? You know, I'm sitting there watching one of my favorite shows at the time, and for whatever reason, I felt this urge to just get up, and go in my room. And not only that, but I go in my room and I, I have my music on and I pick up my instrument. I'm just playing, you know. So it's almost like God picked me up and put me in there and I started jamming out. And next thing I know, I hear this this noise. Da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, whoa, what's this? You know, so I open my door and come out. My dad, he's in the other room. Our our doors were va- basically first facing each other. He comes out with like a gun. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, I'll turn the music down, pop, you know, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, you know? Yeah. So he's like, go back in your room, go back in your room. So I shut the door and I hear another couple of pop pops. I'm like, whoa. So come to find out, those guys came by the house looking for, you know, my sister's boyfriend at the time and they shot the house up. And it just so happened exactly where I was sitting. Like it's, wow. that couch was sprayed, right? So that would have been it right there. And like wow. I say, looking back, there's. It's time and time again, it's of instances like that where I just tell God's hand of protection. So my father, he had a little bit of an alcohol issue. And I remember uh, telling this to my mom because I, I seen him one day come home and he was he was sloshed, man. <laughs> I remember looking up at my mom and I'm like, you know, I'll never drink. I remember saying that because she reminds me <laughs> quite often that I said I'll, I'll never drink. And I didn't until about. 19, 20 years old, I started drinking real heavy all of a sudden out of nowhere. And I went down that same path, man, and I started getting worse and worse and worse, you know. And I ended up in and out of prison, in and out of jail, you know, just a lot of a lot of stuff going on. And I remember one time I'm sitting on my couch. Here's another couch story. <laughs> and I'm praying as I'm drinking alcohol. I'm praying to God because I know – God has something greater in store for me, but I just wasn't seeing it manifested because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. So I'm praying to him as I'm drinking, which is oxymoron in itself. (laughs) And uh, I could literally hear the voice of the Lord. Stop drinking. And I was like, well, I I must be tripping or I must be drunk. I don't know, but I know that can't be the answer because I ain't going to stop drinking. So I popped the top and kept on swigging. And I kept praying. I prayed again. I heard it again. Stop drinking. I'm like, wow, got to be another way. <laughs> so I just kept kept swigging. I just I was too hard headed. I was stuck in my ways when it came to that. And sure enough, it just kept getting worse and worse, kept escalating. And I finally ended up in, in prison. I think I did 18 months in prison. And I was finally picking up the Bible when I was in there, finally learning a little something. And I was taking it, you know, semi-serious. I'm not going to say I was taking it serious like I should have been at the time. But I started gaining a little knowledge, a little understanding. And, you know, I was I had good intentions when I got home. I'll say that. But they didn't last very long because that temptation jumped out and and I wasn't ready. So not even four months later, after being gone for 18 months, not even four or five months later, I get locked up again. Alcohol. This time I do five years and some change, right? So within the first day, as soon as I get locked up, I know it's because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing according to the word of God. I made promises. I knew I knew God had something in store for me. And I didn't hold up my end of the bargain. 
I didn't do what I said I'd do. And I was snatched back up just like that. So as soon as I got in there, I'm looking around because they have like Bibles they'll give you, you know, in jail. I'm looking around. I said, where's the Bible? man? <laughs> that's, that's the first thing I wanted. I didn't want to make a phone call. I said, I need to read. I need to, you know, I need to, I need to see the, the error of my ways because it's all in there. Everything that you, you know, you're lacking, everything that you need and everything you should be doing is all in there. And I was just neglecting it. So when I got in there, I took it serious this time. I started studying, diving in. And then I think within the first few weeks, uh, my sister and my mom, they came to visit me in, in uh, Denton County. And that's one of those jails that they have the glass and you go out and you sit, you know, face to face in the glass and you got to pick up the phone and all that, kind of like they, they do in the movies and TV and all that. And they're just crying. You know, that's the last thing you want to see especially after being gone for a year and a half previous to that, not even being home, you know, that long. And I was out making pretty decent money and I just got, got in trouble that fast. So I'm seeing them in tears. And um, when I go back to the cell after that visit, there's a uh, certain room in Denton County. You can go in and get some quiet time. They have a little uh, desk in there and some chairs. So I grabbed one of the guys that, you know, I, I worked out with and, I was asking him if he wanted to go in there and read a couple of verses. He said, yeah, sure. I'll go in there with you. So there's a book called faith to faith. And then our daily bread, little pamphlets. We're, we're originally just going to read those two kind of sit in there and talk a little bit. So me and him grab our Bibles. We walk in next thing I know, like four or five other guys just come in with us and we didn't ask them. I guess they just seen us in there reading the Bible and they brought theirs in and they all just sat around the table and we sat there talking. The next day, we did the same thing. We came in face to face, daily bread, sat there talking. Did this for you know a few days, and then I came up with the idea. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna come up with a, a verse. We're gonna break it down. We're gonna talk about it. You know. Next thing I know, I'm doing three verses. Next thing I know, I'm doing seven verses. You know, I'm in there doing full sermons, and it comes out to where I'm doing it seven days a week. Seven days a week, I'm in there in a room where you're only supposed to have maybe four or five people, there's 48 men in that cell. At one point I had 26 to 28 men in that room doing Bible study with me every day. <laughs> and the, the sergeants would come in, they see, you know, everybody in there. Sometimes they kick us out. Sometimes they let us make it, but either way, almost half of the, the cell was in there getting the word seven days a week. And I just thought that was awesome. But, it was crazy because I was in county so long, almost two years, and for seven days a week, I was holding Bible study with fresh scripture, fresh, you know, every day I'm coming up with something uh, different. Like, I'm not coming up with anything. Let me reword that. God is giving me revelation. God is giving me something, you know, to, to voice. So each and every day I'm doing my study. I see something jump out. I jot it down. I bring it to the people, right? And there's some days where, like I say, I had 26 to 28. Some days I had three or four it was you know very streaky because a lot of people go home <laughs> a lot of people go home they're, they're there for a couple of days or a few months and then they're gone and you got a whole new crowd but I just kept saying that God if you bring them you know I'll I'll bring it you bring them I'll bring it you know so sure enough as people went home more people would start following in and I did that every day until I caught chain to prison I was in there for two years and then I got shipped off to TDC prison in texas and i stayed faithful stayed in the word and ended up getting 
three setoffs, which means for years I got denied parole, couldn't come home. And throughout this whole time, I got a little girl that I haven't seen since 2011. Here it is, uh, 2018 now. I'm, you know, getting ready to try to step through the doors finally. I haven't seen my daughter the entire time. And towards the end of my little stint in prison, they had made me the prison facilitator at the uh, church, right? So I'm basically like the MC at the church. And they let me bring a little little word, introduce the, the people, introduce the choir. It was kind of cool because I was getting a little experience before I stepped through the doors. And I remember I would talk about my daughter quite often to them. And they had no idea I hadn't seen her in so long. You know, I talk about how uh, Psalms 23, how God's hand of protection around us, how he, you know, walks walks before us and protects us and guides us. And I was talking about how my little girl, when she was about two years old at the park, she's on the jungle gyms and crawling around this and crawling around that. And she didn't understand how dangerous it was. So my hands were basically, you know, walking her and guiding her and making sure she didn't stumble. And people were like, oh, that's what's up, man. Yeah, that's a good little little message. And I was talking about, you know, the following week, how my daughter this, my daughter that. And then one time I was like, you know what? Y'all, you guys heard me talk about my daughter. You know, y'all probably know a lot about her, which is weird because I haven't seen her in over seven years. And I just remember like that church is in silence, man, because they saw the joy and the, and the peace within me. And I'd be in there uplifting and encouraging to the best of my ability. And I'd be going through it, you know. But what was helping me through that that time was encouraging and helping others, praying for others, right? That's the only thing that got me through the the stint that I had to go through. And there's a there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, "Blows the hurt, cleanse away evil." And that right there, that five year stint, that hurt. <laughs> At 18 months, I was still kind of you know up against the ropes a little bit, but I was fighting back. But that five years, that hurt. That that knocked the wind out of me. That makes me. You know, kind of like say, you know what, I'm good. I don't want to fight no more. <laughs> so when God put me in that in that position right there, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I think I'm gonna do right. <laughs> I think I'm gonna I'm gonna get out here and do what I need to do. And as soon as I stepped to the doors, God had stuff waiting on me. Uh, people I hadn't talked to in years, re reconnected. I mean, everything has just been opening up. It's all because I decided to to walk that line this time. I decided to be like, you know what, Lord, just like Paul in uh, it's Acts chapter 8, actually it's 9, where he's, he asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? <laughs> That's the question. Once you come to that realization, you got to ask God, what do you want me to do? Because we always come to him asking, you know, Lord, can you do this? Lord, can you do that? But once you get to the revelation, you'll be like, you know what? What do you want me to do? And you start taking off of that. That's when the doors start opening for me. And uh, ever since then, like I say, I got home and it hadn't been easy by any means. I'm not saying that everything's been peachy keen, but I still had to work. I still had to grind. I came home making, I think, $11 an hour at a warehouse that ended up firing me after seven months because of my background. <laughs> and then I'm getting a job making double that uh, with one of my buddies who was actually locked up with me. Within the first week, I was unemployed, which is a blessing. So it's just like God, he's been opening doors even in the midst of all that. And right now, I got a lot of stuff going on to where I didn't have ambition before all this happened. And now I can see God's basically hedge and hand of protection on me 
And as long as I keep following through what he's given me, I can just see the prosperity in it. I can just see God opening up doors. And I just encourage everybody that, that's been through anything to not only share it with somebody to uplift and encourage them, but to, you know, don't give up. Don't tap out because there's always something greater. That's real, man. That's real. That's real. I got, I got, there's a lot to unpack there, man. And um, one of the things I, I have to say, I think I'll tell you this often, and, and I, I genuinely do mean it. Like, I, I am extremely proud of you. Man, Appreciate cause, that, man. Because um, growing up, I remember seeing you around, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Okay, little T gone." I was like, well, "Where did he go?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And 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 because like my side of the family wasn't um, here in Dallas as often, so we we got a chance to see the family, you know, doing holidays and everything else. But one of the things that uh, I wish I would have did more, and I, I wish I would have did better. Was I even I even remember when um, when you left, and then like uh, Uncle Tony and, and some of the families like, okay, y'all y'all should write a little tea, uh, and then they would they would keep us updated based off the letters that you shared back and forth. Yeah, and um, I, I I think I the first time you went, one of the times you went, I was still in high school. And God was 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 working on me then, but I, I I still was you know a kid. I didn't really know what was going on. But the whole time that you was in there, I just kept thinking about like what were you actually going through, right? Yeah. And um, and because I mean, obviously, I see things on, on the movies, and I kind of kind of try to put it together with the letters that you share. Um, but still in my mind, there was a, a weight for a little while that I carried that. Uh, one of the letters I actually wrote to you, I never actually had, like, I never actually sent it off. Mm. And um, over time, I was just like, man, I, I realized how in that moment I got so caught up in just trying to live life. And 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 he, and, and I felt that guilt, like, here you are, you know, in this space. I have no idea what you're going through. But now looking at it from, from the house, from, 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 from then to now. God was working on you and developing you into the man that you are today so that, you know, you and I can even have this moment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so and so from that, from my heart, man, I I just I asked for for forgiveness on that part. Um because I, I, I know I could have did more. And oh, um could have could have did more to show that, you know, I that our love for you is still the same and our love for you even now has 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 grown. And so um <clears throat> I appreciate that, fam. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So so some of the things that I was driving down while while you was talking was I actually had a couple of questions I wanted to ask you, but um was looking at the timeline that you shared with me from, from nineteen to twenty is when we kinda got first introduced to drinking, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so um when you got introduced to drinking at that time where you kinda like was it like peer pressure or was it like just um I'm gonna try this out, see how this how this how this tastes or how 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 did you get introduced to drinking? That's pretty much it. I was like, you know, I'm gonna just try this out. And, and like I don't know if it's the family, if it's in the blood, but definitely got that addictive personality, man. I've always had it. It's whether it's working out or women back in the day, like there's always something I had an issue with, right? So 
as soon as I picked that up, it was like instant. I was like, oh my goodness, I couldn't put it down. I drank for, I don't know, over a decade, you know, almost two seems like, but yeah, it's like instantly I was hooked, man. And I started drinking heavy, like right off the bat, which was crazy. Uh, the first few drinks I had was heavy liquor without any chaser. And everybody's like, man, how are you doing that? I was like, I don't know. You know I, it's just it's, it's what it is, man. I just took off from there. Yeah. And so did it did it start to become become uh, a vice? Because, I mean, in a sense, I, I, even to this day, I struggle with drinking. And uh, I have been going on a week and a half sober now. And this is the first time in, in a long time, I'll probably say a couple months, where I've just been just completely sober. And I've seen in my life that sometimes I'll come home just from having a hard day at work. And I'm like, okay, I need to go grab a beer. I need to go grab a drink and just kind of something to get me over. Yeah. Um, so I can be copacetic about the things I couldn't change in my life at that time. Right. Yeah. And so it didn't always start off as like, okay, I need to drink. It was more of social kind of like, yeah, that's, like, how, like, that's how it got me. It started off social, just going out, hanging out with friends. And the next thing you know, I got a pregame. So I'm drinking at the house before I go. The next thing you know is like you say, got that vice. It's got a hold on you. You can't go anywhere without it. That's how I got yeah. me. Like I had to. All right, I'm getting to go to the movies and me have a drink. Like, well, I need a drink before a movie, you know. <laughs> now, they, now they got the movies where you can order drinks. So I was, right. I couldn't go to the movies unless I could sit down and order something. You know, it was just everywhere I went for a time, I had to have something to drink, which is insane because it wasn't me. You know, it was like I had to become somebody else just to step out in in, in public anymore. And that's why I knew, like, I I couldn't control it because, like, I had to have something just to go out. I would be miserable, and that's and that's not good for anybody. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's crazy because, like, we're we're well versed in the history of our family when it comes to alcohol, and it's like one of those things that it don't really hit you until until it hits you, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, one of those things you have to experience for yourself, and so, um, looking at it in contrast. So kind of trying to follow the timeline. So from 19 to 20, uh, you were introduced to that. And then you were um, something happens where you were locked up for 18 months. And so um, what do you think at that time before you got locked up or during that time where you were locked up that drinking represented for you at that time? Man, to be honest with you, and it's kind of sad. That was like the only thing I had is, is the way I looked at it back then. It's like, you know, when everything else fails, I can always lean on this. That's how my mentality was at the time. And that's terrible. But that's the honest truth. You know, like I always fell back to that, even when it was the issue. And I, I knew it was at times like, man, I know this is the issue, but you know what? I'm a drink to, to forget that. You know, <laughs> that's how bad it got. But at that time, I was just stuck. You know, it was it was a rut I couldn't dig myself out of. I just basically was digging my own grave with it. Wow. So, 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 so now you're, you're free. Yeah. You said I have about four to five months where, where you're enjoying life again and you, you kind of bumped your head, but you know, you have a little bit more freedom now. And what do you feel like was, was that moment? Cause I know you shared with me that you got like talked to you twice. It's like, Hey bro, stop drinking. Hey bro, stop drinking. <laughs> so was it, was it, was it in that time and that, and that in between time or was it before? It was it was right then, man. Like 
before I got home, I made two promises and I didn't keep either one. I said I wouldn't stop drinking. I mean, I said I would stop drinking and I said that I would I would get married before I, you know, did anything else. And sure enough, I didn't do either one of those. And within like a week, I felt weak already to where I had to have a drink. And I just went downhill from there. Like it got worse than it ever, ever had been. Like the Bible says, like seven times worse. That's exactly what happened, man. It was just downward spiral and I couldn't, you know, control it. And it was the worst that it had ever been within the four months. And I'm pretty sure if, if it would have kept going down that road, I mean, I may have not been able to see another day as bad as it was getting. So that might have been my best bet to get snatched off the streets like that. So, so, so now you're you're back off the streets. You, you, you shared about how God had to redirect you and put you in a place where he was like, okay, you got to sit down, right? Um, so if at that time drinking kind of represented um, the, the destruction and the death of you, it seems like God repositioned you so he can fulfill you and, and, and build you up in life. Right, which is exactly what happened. Right, right, and so, 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 so now at this point, as you're as you're speaking and teaching and and encouraging others, what is has has the idea of drinking evolved, or like what drinking represents to to you in your life at that particular moment? Has it evolved, or does it still have like the same level uh, or label at that at that point? What are you talking about? Since I've been home, well, um, while while you got while when you went back to prison. Oh yeah. The second time. Yeah, it was it had evolved at that time, man. Before I, I went back, it was it was even worse. Like I say, if I had to have it before, I definitely had to have it then. And uh, I mean I had <laughs> I forgot to tell you about this. I had a, a cooler in the trunk of my car, man, with like some eighteen pack of tall boys, a bottle of uh tequila, and I kept it on ice. That's how bad it was. Wow. I always had like a cooler full of uh, alcohol and liquor. Like anytime I hit the stoplight, you can hear the cooler in the back sloshing around. It's, it was bad, man. Wow. 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 Okay. So um so so now you're out of prison and 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 you you've done your time. And so cuz I I guess what I'm trying to what I'm trying to figure out is like this vice and the thing of drinking throughout all the things that you learn how how did it and like did the label of it evolve over time? And because from this from this question, I want to I want to pivot to the the family impact of it. Because I'll I'll let, I'll let you answer that one first. Well, for me, like I say, it's different for everybody. Because some people are gonna have a, a drink and and you know go out and have a few and be social and, and be fine. They'll you know know their limit and know when to just lay it down. They'll stop at a certain time, drink water, sober up. For me, it just wasn't the case, man. Like, if I'd start drinking until it was gone, until they closed everything down, you know, that's just how it was for me. And it's like, I guess birds of a feather flocked together because all my friends at the time were like that, too. So whoever you surround yourself with is a big deal, too. And everybody that I hung out with at that time, that's, that's all we did, right? So it was like my friends, my circle at the time, we we done the same things. We We were all heavy drinkers. And, you know, they just didn't get in trouble. So it was kind of kind of the fact to where once I stopped altogether, I had to change my whole circle, too, because I understood that, you know, there's nothing against them. But 
certain people I just can't kick it with because they're doing the same things. And if I needed to change, I had to do something different, right? If I needed to make some changes in my life, I needed to, to, to stop doing what I was doing. I had to do that about face and go the other way. And like I say, as far as, uh, people in the family that, that, because it's, they say it's hereditary. Like I say, I don't, like I say, some people have some, some people can, can sit it down and be good. Others turn all the way up, you know what I'm saying? But, um, I know that me, my dad, my uncle, we all got in trouble with the law. We all had our run in with the law and we all laid it down. Like they've been sober for over 20 plus years. I think this September next month will be seven years for me. And I ain't looking back. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's real, man. Well, congratulations on that, bro. That's, that's what's up. I appreciate you, bro. That's what's up. So, so, so speaking of, of, of that, uh, you said that, that, that your father and, and uncle both experienced their running a lot because of drinking. Um, how would you say that throughout your, throughout these, this time, your relationship with your father has evolved? What's funny is like me and him have always been close, regardless of everything that's happened, transpired with me or with him. I mean, we've always been cool. Like even when his heaviest drinking, like that was my dude, you know, it was my best friend and, and vice versa. When I was out there tripping, you know, he would, it's not like I wouldn't hear what he would say, you know, cause he'd always give me good advice. It's not like I wouldn't hear it. It's just, I wasn't willing to, to take the advice at the time. I, I always remember what he said, you know, after everything happened, I was grateful for it. But at the same time, although I heard him, I wasn't willing to accept it at that moment. It's like the Bible saying about, you know, although a servant hears you, they will not respond by mere words. Like you have to, some of us have to go through something, you know, before we'll be like, all right, yeah, I get you now. <laughs> so a relationship with him has always been strong. That's still, you know, that's my dude, man. <laughs> Thick and thin right there. And 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 has 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 have you learned anything um, in your journey that you that you didn't learn from your families that from your from your parents specifically that's that's helped you up to this point as well? well my dad, when he stopped drinking, he went to AA, and um, that that helped him. And I think I read the book, you know, all the way through once, but as far as the steps and all that, I didn't didn't uh, stick with that. Like with me. It was all about just diving in the Bible and and staying dedicated to that. And I ain't going to lie to you, man. I don't know how many people, you know, really believe that I would, would be out all right when I came home. A lot of people were like, oh, he's probably getting ready to trip out again and, you know, see how long it, it lasts this time. And like I say, it's it's all by the grace of God for me, man. Like I just I know what not to do. You know, if anything, you, you can learn from me what not to do because I've done it. So. For me, like I say, uh, it was all about what the scripture was, was teaching me and the time that I had away that gave me the strength to do what I needed to do at this point. At this point. Um, and, and speaking of, of fatherhood, uh, since you are now a father, and, and everything else, what was it like for the first time uh, when you saw your daughter after you got out? It's funny because I was nervous, man. I, I prayed about this moment for years, you know, like cause me and – her mom wasn't on good terms for so long. Now, I didn't mention this earlier part of the testimony that uh, it was to the point to where I prayed for a wife because I know God will show you whatever. I prayed, all right, Lord, when I get home, I'm not going to drink. 
And if there's a woman you have in mind for me, I pray that you show her to me. And I had a dream about Jennifer. I'm like, huh, you know, and I woke up, you know, like, Lord rebuke you, you know, there ain't no way, <laughs> you know, there ain't no way, you know, you're trying to curse me, the devil is a lie, you know, I was like, right. nah, nah, so I prayed, you know, just like, I don't know, every, every night I prayed about this for some years, man, that's like one thing that was, was tough on my heart and my mind, and he kept showing me her, he kept showing me her, and I'm like, man, I haven't talked to this girl, oh, how long, there ain't no way, you know, I'm, I had talked to her right before I'd left uh, County for the first time. And we talked for a few times on the phone and from 2015 to 18, I didn't speak at all. No correspondence of nothing. And then when I came home, I had to go back through County, Dallas County. And I had called her then. And I'm still thinking like, yeah, I don't know how this is going to, this is going to happen. I don't know what God has in store, but I know, you know he's going to make a way. I get home, um, I had prayed that I would see her, you know, at least by her birthday or by Christmas, you know. I got home in November. Her birthday is November, and the following month is Christmas. And I was like, well, God, if you're going to open these doors, you know, let it happen. And sure enough, within, you know, a few weeks, it was basically, I think it was right after her birthday, I had called uh, Jennifer, and, you know, we talked for a minute, and we hang up, and... I guess she had talked to my daughter, Madison, and she was like, hey, uh, that was your dad. You want to see him? And she was, like, super excited, and she hadn't seen me in years. She was like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking, like, how is, how's this going to go? But she was like, you know, yeah, I want to see him. Like, yeah, can we right now? Like, she was, like, super excited, you know. Like, right now, when are we going to see him? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, just hyped up. So Jennifer calls me back. She's like, yeah, she wants to see you right now. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down. So, like, when I, you know, first seen her, it was – it was cool, man. I ain't gonna lie. I was super excited. And yeah, I could tell she was nervous. I was nervous because it's, it's been years, you know, I missed a, a lot, you know, but she was telling me about school and everything going on. And it was almost like I, I never left after a few days. Like we just bonded immediately. Like, I mean, daddy's girl, uh, she, you know, we joke the same. She's funny like me. A lot of a lot of stuff that she does, she didn't realize that she she picked up for me. She likes to write poetry and all these things that I like to do. Like when you you're going through something, I jot something down, and she she's a beast at that. Like there's a lot of things that that she picked up, even though I wasn't here around. She got from me, and it's kind of amazing how that all worked. That's gen- genetics, man. You got some good genes, bro. Yeah, good genes <laughs> ain't no joke, right there. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. So is there, is there anything like uh, that she's taught you uh, about yourself um, and, and our, 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 yeah, anything she's taught you about yourself and, and this time? Well, when I was away, man, you really had to, you, you're, the, you're there for yourself, you know? I mean, it's just you. So when you come home, you gotta be selfless. You know, I gotta, I gotta, family now you know so I've got to stop just being about me and being about them and that was an adjustment for me I'm not gonna lie because I was so used to just I had my own little spot I was just there I had to look out for me so coming back home once I get reacclimated excuse me I had to you know learn how to be back in society man I ain't gonna lie I was somewhat institutionalized being gone so long there's a lot of things that I was accustomed to I had a certain schedule so it took me, you know, a few months to to get back 
and ordering things. And I was like, okay, I got to do things this way, or I got to, you know, I got to do it like this. Or and once I picked that up, you know, I I took off. But there's a lot of things that, you know, you got to be mindful of. A lot of things you got to be leery of, you know, and very very protective too. And like I say in there, you got to watch your back. So I'm always kind of like just watching my surroundings and I'm trying to teach her the same, like, Hey, it's cool to, you know, to be cool with people at the same time, you know, be, be on alert and to know your surroundings and stuff like that. You know, I'm kind of letting her know, you know, <laughs> I'm not talking about like, you're going to get shanked and <laughs> nothing like, you know, just, just letting her know like, Hey, you gotta, you know, keep your head on a swivel and pay attention out here at the school. And, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Like just, you know, be alert so there's a lot of things that we've we've talked about and we joked about and you know so with that right there that's something i'm real i'm real serious and protective about and and i always try to you know tell her to keep an open mind when it comes to stuff like that yeah and and speaking about everything that's going on in the world right now man like um what are your thoughts on on 2020 wow 2020 man it's uh never seen anything like it and god willing we never will i mean i don't yeah. know man it's started off crazy um I, I really it's almost a loss for words man like this right here is just fresh out of the the old testament right it's like yeah. some i've never seen anything like it man i never thought i'd have to wear a mask i mean <laughs> this this pandemic like i mean it, airborne touching yeah, it was just insane man shutting everything down like a ghost town because i work in construction so i was still moving around and, and driving around outside and all this and i could just see when everything shut down how desolate it was out there and i was like wow you know it was it was crazy to see and all my life i've never seen anything like it where you shut everything down and things still are you know slow to reopen so yeah. 2020 is i mean by far one of the craziest years if I mean, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm going to say that definitely the craziest year I've ever experienced. Yeah, yeah. This this year, man, is it's, I agree. I'm I'm waiting for Moses to to be like, let my people go type thing. Yeah. Because, I mean, especially with everything that's going on right now, we we need a Moses. Um, in my opinion, um, if not one Moses, Moses is uh, because there's a lot of different things that we need to be free from and. Um, I think the biggest thing is 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 first understanding how to how to live with yourself and be free with yourself, so that way you can lead your household to lead the community to to actually um, bring forth the change that makes sense and is fair for everybody. And so, um, and so in that, that's that's actually like why this conversation is even taking place because of everything else that's going on in the world right now. God still has a purpose for you. There's still something that that you that you are put on this earth to accomplish, and and, and some of the things that you're doing, and, and and the vehicle that you that you've been able to take with the podcast is is amazing. And so right now you say you you've you are on episode 150 something. I'm pushing 150. I think I'm on 125 right now. Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, so what, 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 what advice uh, would you give to someone who's 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 out there uh, looking to start their own podcast or, or put their voice out there or to start really anything that they believe that 
that God's called them to? What advice would you give them? Just take that first step, man. Like when God put this on my heart, I didn't know where to start. I knew I needed to say something, but I was like, well, what platform do I need to start on? Because I wouldn't have any opportunities out in the churches. And I had a buddy of mine. He invited me. I think you you were there that first night I spoke. And that was amazing, man. I didn't ever think I'd stand in front of a church in my entire life and, and you know, give a testimony or speak. And I've done it a few times now. And I'm like, huh. But as far as people just taking that first step and just getting getting your, your toes wet, you know, just dipping your feet in there and say, you know what, man, I'm going to dive in. <laughs> I got I to gotta start somewhere. And that's what I did. I just searched up information on on podcasts, I talked to a couple people, and next thing you know, I just with a laptop and some headphones. That's how I started out. I finally started buying some gear to, you know, make it more legit, make it sound better. But at first, I was just like, you know what? I know God wants me to share what I have. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it out there either the, the only way I know how. And until then, you know, until He puts me where He wants to put me, I'm just gonna take off from here. And I mean, it's been prospering, man. He's like I say, I'm staying dedicated and and he's he's giving me the word. So for anybody out there that wants to start something, hey, just put your best foot forward, keep pushing, don't give up, don't tap out, regardless of how it looks. Or regardless of how you feel, just keep pushing. Hmm. That's what's up. That's what's up. What's what would you say is like one of the two things, I mean, outside of your faith that that helps you overcome and keep pushing when you do have those setbacks. Uh, would you say it's, it's contributed to your daily routine or, or or anything like that? You know what, man? A lot of things in your past is a blessing in disguise. Like I say, I talk about the the prison stand, man, but it, it really was a blessing because it, it it was so horrible at times, you know, that it, makes, it reminds me of where you can end up when you, you trip out. You know, when you do what you're not supposed to do, they got a place for you, right? So that is kind of like motivation. Not only that, when I was in there, not only did I get my, my mind right, I got a good workout routine. Uh, I basically learned how to organize my, my thoughts to where I could, you know, have a set schedule when I get home. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. As soon as I get home, I got this plan. Like I, I got an agenda now. And that's one thing that helped me along the way is when I was in there, I was basically making myself better. You know, a lot of people are just being there doing time. They're just waiting to go home. But as I was waiting, I was improving myself to make sure when I stepped through the doors that time, I'd be ready. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you're excited about uh, that this next journey? Um, kind of, I mean, because I know you said within the next year, you got you got the business that you want to do. The, obviously, the podcast is going to continue to grow. But I guess, you know, kind of where you see yourself in 10 years, bro? Man, I believe books, I can see books, conventions, revivals, traveling. There's a lot of things that I know God's going to, you know, he's got in store. But uh, I love to to teach, man. Uh, that's one thing I, I realized about myself when I was away. And it's like a, a gift that God given me because man, I can keep it real. You know, I'm just going to tell you exactly how it is and I can relate it to whatever you you actually like. I ask somebody, all right, what do you what do you like? What's your favorite such and such? And they tell me, I kind of break the word down, you know, pertaining to what they like. I'm like, oh, I never looked at it like that. It's pretty good, you know. And I'm, I try to keep it as simple as possible. And it's a gift that, that God has given me. And that's one thing. Once I really study and, and dive in and, and and put in that work, I mean, 
I can see a lot of good stuff happening, man. And I just know that God's going to open some doors and he's showed me some things already. And like I say, there's a lot of people that may have not believing, believed anything that I was saying, especially when I was away. There's one guy in particular that I told him about how God showed me that I would be restored with, uh, with Jennifer. And he was like, you ain't talked to her in how long? I said, yeah, it's been a long time, bro. And they're like, huh, all right. You know, and when I came mm-hmm. home and I told him about it, he was like, you with who? <laughs> I said, yeah. He's like, wow. Because a lot of people, like, I, you're, you're saying these things and, and it just seems crazy. It sounds crazy. It sounds like, oh, this dude's just talking, man. He got too much Jesus juice or something. You know, like, this dude right here is insane. But he made all that come to pass, man. And, and it's funny because it is a great testimony because a lot of people don't know what it took to get to this point. You know, a lot of things that I was professing and saying, speaking in faith, saying, talking about restoration and, and, and God restoring and redempt, redemption and all that, like all these things came to pass, man. And he's still not done. So there's a lot of things he's shown me that I've you know discussed with you that are on the way. And that's the big thing. When you know they're on the way, you just got to keep pushing and striving until that happens. And you got to stay diligent and busy with the work that you have before you until you get to that point. Until that point, man, I want to wrap up the conversation with one of the, I think, the most important question um, is when your time is is said and done, it's it's time for you to go and be with the good Lord. uh, What is it that you want to leave behind here as your legacy, that landmark? Let the whole world know that you are here. That's a good question, man. I want it to, I want to make a difference. I want people to know that, you know, he used his time wisely because that's one thing I didn't do in the past. The one thing that I learned while I was away was to cherish the time that you have because I've lost so much. So the main thing I want people to, to know about me when that time comes is that I use that time wisely with what I had. I used it wisely. So from the day I stepped out of that prison this last time around, I want them to know, you know, that I, I made a change and I used what I had wisely. And I, I did the best that I could with what I had to keep pushing and striving to, to glorify him. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Inspire Kingdom podcast. We hope that this episode was able to add value to your life. If you like what you heard, please follow us and subscribe. You can also see us and meet us and talk about this episode on our Facebook page and Instagram page at Inspired Kingdom. Be on the lookout for our website coming soon. And also you'll be able to see more videos of what we're doing with Inspired Kingdom on on YouTube. (laughs) Uh, So, again, thank you so much for your support. Remember, stay blessed. Peace.